This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, host of Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. Join the conversation every Tuesday at 11 as we dissect issues that are important to you and your family. That's Relatively Speaking, Tuesdays only on MPB Think Radio. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. And I, I, I want to uh, send my thoughts to everyone who's taking the bar exam today. Uh, and, and this is the week they take the bar exam. And, and uh, you know, I know that's, that's difficult. I know they're not listening right now. Um, and probably won't be listening to this afternoon to the podcast. But uh, also, I'm giving an exam to for my class right now, and I uh, hope they're hope they're doing okay too. But I hope your week's off to a good start. And, uh, and today we get to talk about um, the outdoors. Really, uh, you know, Mississippians love the outdoors, and we're excited to welcome Major Chris Clark of the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks to the show. Um, and he's going to be talking about hunting and fishing laws. Major Clark, good morning. Uh, would you please tell us a little bit about your background and how you became interested in working for the MDWFP? Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me. My name is Chris Clark. I'm actually a major with the Department of Wildlife. I'm going on 21 years with the agency. Uh, was very interested in it when I first came out of high school and kind of went a different path for a little while and then come back around and, and got hired and, and enjoyed every minute of it. That's great. Well, it's great to have you. And, and, you know, we're, we're going to talk about hunting and fishing. I know you, you also, uh, y'all are over boating as well. Uh, but we wouldn't even have time to even uh, get to that subject because there's a lot to talk about and hunting and fishing. And let's just start with, uh, with hunting on a, you know, just kind of a simple question. What do I need a license to hunt in Mississippi? Yes, sir. Each resident of Mississippi, if they anywhere from 16 to 64, has to have a license. So, in other words, if they're 15 or under, they're youth, and they do not have to have a license until they turn 16. And once they turn 65, long as they are resident of Mississippi, and they do not have to have a hunting and fishing license. So I and I can go out and hunt <laughs> right now uh, without, a, without a license. It's good, it's good to know. Um, and uh, now what about, you know, where, what about, can we talk a little bit about, uh, you know, if I have on my own land, you know, I know that sometimes people have, uh, you know, large tracts of land and they, they have deer um, on their land. And can, do they need a hunting license to hunt on their own property? If the property is uh, in their name, deeded in their name, they do not have to have a hunting license. But say they have a child that's 17 that hunts the property, they do have to have a license because it's not deeded in their name. Well, that's interesting, and and you mentioned uh, Mississippi residents need a license. What about what about non non residents? Oh, good question. I have this a lot of times. If a non resident owns property in Mississippi, it could be from one acre to a thousand. They still have to have a non resident hunting license. It's only good for residents that own the property and their name is deeded in. 
And, and it's just not I mean, I, I think some people may want to know, well, how do, how do you even get a license? If let's say I'm, I'm somebody, uh, uh, how do, how do we, how do, how does somebody get a license? Well, there's numerous places, Walmart, there's bait shops. They'll, they'll have the machine there. They can get it there. You can do it online or you can call our office, uh, at headquarters in Jackson and they got a boat registration, hunter education. They got all that license system. You can, you can do it there or just do it online. Sounds great. Liz, I think do we, we got a call. That's we great. do. We're going to go to Henley and speak with Cleon. Cleon, we're so glad that you've called in to In Legal Terms today. Our special guest is Major Clark, uh, Chris Clark. We're talking about hunting and fishing in Mississippi today. So what's your comment or question? My question is about access across my land to the owner's kids and his friends to go down fishing on their land. Uh, my prime concern is... Uh, uh, when they move limbs and branches out of this little strip on the edge of my land, uh, out of their way into my way, I've been able to handle it so far, but I'm getting to the age that it's becoming quite difficult. And there is a dead tree of some size that if it lands in that direction, that it falls across the road, would it be legally correct for me to ask them to please, when they get it out of their way, to take it onto their property? Because these kids drive down... Uh, with their pickup trucks, and they unload their ATVs to go onto their own property. Um, and the, another question is, um, is it correct for them to be parking and leaving those pickups on my property? And the third part of my question is, does it matter that they have legal access, open access to that prayer property from other sides of the property? Okay. Very good questions. The let's start with the first one. If they are parking on your property, first of all, they have to have your permission or if your property has an easement that's through it for them, that's the only way they should be on your property. The one of the things you was talking about limbs and the tree, there's no if something falls on your side from that side. Yes, you can ask them to move it. And but you've given them permission to get on your side to get it, you know, at the same time. And they should take it and put it on their property, not put it on yours. If it, you know, if it come down like that, you could uh, I would like to ask what county you live in. And you can reach out to one of our uh, regional offices and and talk with the officers there. And they can kind of come and, and, and help you if you have any trespassing issues. Sheriff's Department can handle it also, but we do on a lot of the hunting instance. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in Pearl River County. I'm, I'm just trying okay. to be polite, but if it gets to be more than I can handle, I want to know what I can correctly do. Yes, ma'am. Which you, you said Pearl River, that'd be the South Region yep. office, and you can get that on our website, or I can give you the number to that office if you need it. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Well, that South Region office is 601 783-2911. Thank you very much. Yes, ma'am. What a great resource we've got today. Was there something else out there today. that I didn't answer on that? No. I'm, that's all I need to know. That was a comprehensive answer. I'm grateful for <laughs> it. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. 
We have a second question. Now we're going to go to uh, uh, Horn Lake. We've got David on the line. David, we're glad you've called in today. We're talking hunting and fishing laws and regulations. What's your comment or question? I got a question. Um, uh, Lakeview, which is in DeSoto County, uh, it was an oxbow uh, lake off the Mississippi River, just right over the Mississippi-Tennessee line. I can remember knee-high to a grasshopper being able to go there and fish. There used to be a boat ramp, fishing pier, bait shop, and a fish market shop there. And we had the bad flood about 20 years ago. It flooded it all out, and now there's a barrier across it and got no trespassing signs everywhere. And i like to know how come there was a legal precedent for us to be able to public fish in there. You, uh, you, you had to pay a couple of dollars to launch your boat and a, a dollar or two for pier fishing, but you could stay all night and fish. And uh, now it's boarded all up. they got a, a barrier across it, no trespassing signs or whatnot. And I'd like to know what is the uh, Department of Mississippi Department of Fisheries and what are doing to, to open that back up to the public. Okay. I may not be the best one to answer that question because that part of the world, but let me, I'm going to give you the North Region office number, and then I'm going to try to answer some of that with some instances that I've had. The North Region office number would be 662 563. Hey, well, hang on one minute. Let me get my pencil ready. 662. Okay. 562. Okay. 562. 562. Okay. Now, I would want to ask you, was there any signage there back when you fished it? Uh, reason I'm asking, because some waters in different areas that we've dealt with have had a private landowner that had a ramp and then they charged uh, a launch fee basically for you to be there or camp out and if it was a place like that that's still the landowner's property so at any time they could say they don't want to do it anymore and that wouldn't have anything to do with the agency I don't know if that's going to be the case but we've had have dealt with that before well, the the levy, uh, Mississippi levy board, the levy's right there. So I, yes, sir. I, I mean, if, if if the access is impeded by like what you're saying, Bob, uh, but uh, um, how come they can't go a little bit further south or whatnot and cut a road or whatnot and build a, a public ramp and uh, uh, and nothing else charged like they do at, at the reservoirs? You, you, you take a slip yes, out, sir. put the money in there, and and pay. I mean, that's a beautiful uh, Oxbow Lake. And nobody can use it. Yes, sir. For, I mean, it was open to the public for for uh, legal precedent there. I mean, for at least forty, fifty years, it was open to the public. Okay. Like I said, it was a public boat ramp, bait shop, fishing pier, and uh, and it's it's closed off now completely. All right, my my second question to you is because it's a Mississippi Oxbow Lake. When the Mississippi River gets up high enough to to go in the weir, can I? They've got a uh, a public boat ramp at the uh, 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 DeSoto County has this DeSoto uh, Greenways Park Trail system, whatnot, and uh, there's a boat ramp about four or five miles south there. Can I launch my boat there and go in on, on there and not get tri- uh, if I come in off Mississippi River? Wouldn't that be like public access? As long as I come up the Mississippi River. Like I said, I don't, I don't know. 
and don't step on on the on the land on the bank of what as long as I fish in the middle of the lake. All right, like I said, I don't know the location you're talking about for sure. I'm I'm just talking out of uh, my thoughts of what it may be. But if if you can't get in there now, and the water gets up, and now you can get in there, the the property still is not accessible legally. Yeah, the water gets it where you can get in there, but you're not going to be able to use it just because the water got up, if that makes any sense to you. And like I said, I go back. I don't know the area you're talking about, so I can't be the one telling you all that knowledge. And I I do suggest to you to call that North Region office and see if they can help you. David, thanks for calling in. We'll have these phone numbers for the uh, the South and the North area because it. I'm, I'm sure the folks, uh, the DWFP folks in those areas, are probably pretty familiar with uh, what's their property and what's uh, uh, privately owned and what's privately owned that someone allows hunting and fishing on. We'll also have all that information on our podcast information. You can send us your questions by email. That address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is in legal terms. Now, not everybody has a chance to listen to our show live. So if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show from our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. So I looked at the calendar, and until September 30th, it's frog season in Mississippi with a daily bag limit of $25 per night. It's also raccoon season with a limit of one per party per night. We'll have to have a a raccoon party. But uh, the calendar flips on uh, September 1st, and I'll have a link to all of this 2023-2024 information on our show's podcast page. We're talking about our hunting and fishing laws and regulations in Mississippi with Major Chris Clark from the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. But as I like to say it, and as fast as I can say it, DWFP. Um, (laughs) I had a question, uh, Major Clark, our previous caller was talking about fishing from a ramp, but from me, it wasn't clear if this was a DWFP site or a private site or private, but folks are allowed to hunt there. Are are DWFP sites pretty well marked? Yes. They're, they're going to be have signage, and that's the reason I asked about that. It will it will show because there's money that's put into those projects to put those ramps there, and they will have the signage there to let people know that we're keeping it up. So if if you're going to um, uh, harvest animals or have sport uh, hunting and fishing, you absolutely need to know where you are and who's allowing you to do that. Is that correct? Correct. Well, we have two calls. We we want to balance this between uh, giving you information, but this also is a, a service to our Mississippi listeners. So if you've got questions, we want to answer your questions. And we've got Bill and Ruth on the phone. Let's go first to Bill in Vicksburg. Bill, thanks for calling in legal terms today. What's your comment or question? 
Uh, well, I had a question for the major. Um, I'm 73, and I've had a you know senior hunting license you know for years. But I noticed last month I got on my credit card I got charged like $31 on some ISFs from the Department of Wildlife. And I'm just curious, what's that? Okay, I'm not. Like I said, I'm not sure what that charge is going to be, but now we've had issues where people, when they have bought that that license that you was talking about, there's a place on there that can be clicked that says automatic renewal. And I'm going to assume that's what happened. But you can call our office at 601-432-2400 and ask for the license, and they can tell you where that charge was. But I'm I'm going to say that's what it is. Because we Could you learned give me that number again, six zero one four three two two four zero zero. Because we we mentioned earlier for sixty five and older, it should be free. Is that right, Major Clark? That's correct. But you also want, even though you're exempt, you can buy that senior exempt license, which does put money back in the agency. And I appreciate him doing that. And I believe that it's probably going to be that one place that's clicked for automatic renewal. Bill, did that help answer your question? Uh, partially, because in the past I've gotten like state duck stamps and federal duck stamps, and I didn't know if that charge was for that or not. So if it is, then I'd like to know I've got that. So, Yes, sir. If you'll call that number, they will be able to help you and just ask for our license department, and they'll ask you a few questions. They can pull it up and tell you exactly what it is. All right, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, Major Clark, my dad was a big outdoorsman, and he was always you know, proud to say that outdoorsmen, so much of their hunting and fishing licenses and other you know, maybe taxes on uh, ammunition that went towards towards conservation or went towards upkeep of so much of our uh, protected park area. Let's go to uh, Ruth, who's calling in from Yazoo County. Ruth, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What is your comment or question? Yes, I just recently learned about a Mississippi law called Adverse Possession, and I don't know if it really, I didn't hear the other lady's whole story, but uh, unless there's a legal, official legal easement, if you allow someone to use your property, in 10 years it becomes theirs. And I think everybody should know about this. Uh, but I, I don't know about easements, but I just wanted to mention that. But you have, if you protest it now, uh, they can't get it. You have to... You know, you have to, you can't agree to them using your property. But I advise everybody to look it up. Thank you, Ruth. We appreciate you calling in. Uh, Professor Gerson, do you have any comments on that? Right. That's actually an old, old uh, law. It was, you know, British common law, believe it or not. It's been uh, now the legislature has adopted uh, some specific provisions. But the whole idea is we want people actually using their property. We don't want someone just to own property that they never go and take care of and they never, you know, visit and they don't put a fence on it. They don't put any kind of uh, buildings on it. Um, and so when somebody else then essentially overtakes that property 
at some point, the actual owner, the original owner, loses their right to protect it because the other person is using it uh, more productively. And that person, even though they, you know, they, they have fewer rights than the original owner, eventually the original owner loses their right to then exclude them. That happens with easements as well. So if somebody's been walking across your property and you haven't done anything about it and, and, uh, you know, some time passes, a good amount of time passes, eventually then they have the right to continue with that easement. Um, and, and you can't exclude them anymore. So it is, if you don't want them on your property or you want to, you got property that you're not living on, you want to make sure you check on it. You, and you have to, uh, exclusive and continuous is what the, what the law is. And, and, uh, that's right for 10 years. Um, and, you know, and if you go and look at your, your property that's in another state somewhere that, you know, and you haven't been there for a while and somebody else's house is there, uh, you know, that, that means you, you really need to make sure you, exclude them. Major uh, Clark. Time oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Major Clark, my family is uh, from Arkansas and I know there they have there's a special color of purple paint that you can paint on on your fence or on the outside of your property and that's a sign that it's a, a common sign that everybody knows that it's a private property and hunting and fishing is uh, not uh, allowed. Does does Mississippi have anything like that? We do do not have the paint that uh, that you're talking about, and I know some other states that do that. Now, we suggest people to put up signage to make sure everybody knows. But in Mississippi, all land is posted without, unless you have written permission. But at the same time, I would I would suggest anyone to put up some type of signage where people do know. If you got a lot of land somewhere. You know, uh, check it out. Make sure nobody's sitting there uh, uh, exclusively and continuously for 10 years, because if they are, that land's going to become theirs. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We do hope you'll subscribe to our podcast, or you can find MPB Think Radio recordings at the website mpbonline.org slash radio. So before I came on the show, I was talking with Mike Duke. He is the director of our radio reading service for our blind and print impaired listeners. And I said, hey, we're going to be talking about hunting and fishing licenses on in legal terms today. And he said, well, do they still have the disabled exempt license? So I, I went and checked it out. And residents who are blind, paraplegic, or um, multiple amputee, adjudicated 100% disabled by Social Security Administration or 100% service-connected disabled by the Veterans Administration or Railroad Retirement Board are not required to purchase a hunting or fishing license. Residents exempt based on these criteria are required to have proof of residency, disability status, or other physical impairment in their possession while engaged in hunting and fishing activities unless an exempt license is purchased. I think that was $5, and the disabled exempt license is an annual privilege. And we did mention that a lot of the, um, that's a portion of these funds from licenses do go to the upkeep of our state resources and our uh, wonderful park system. So I'll have a link 
to that on our show's information. And today we are answering your questions and learning about laws and regulation concerning hunting and fishing with our guest, Major Chris Clark from the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Parks. Liz, you mentioned an important thing, which is seasons. And also you mentioned raccoon hunting at night. Well, I mean, you know, that's when raccoons are out. So that actually makes sense. But Major Clark, so if I have a, just because I have a license doesn't mean I can just hunt anything at any time, including day or night. So what are the restrictions on, on, on hunting for even people with a license? Good question. Uh, your legal shooting hours for normal deer, anything else is going to be a half hour before sunrise to a half hour after sunset. Now, duck hunting is from half hour before sunrise to sunset. So those two are different. And like coons, uh, that kind of thing that can be hunted at night, they have to be with a twenty two caliber, no twenty two magnums, nothing nothing no higher than a twenty two. And so and that's so even if you have a license and there are restrictions now. What, uh, why are there different seasons? So Liz was talking about, you know, things, the seasons will change on September 1st and we, you know, have different animals we can hunt at that point. Why, what is the reason for that? Well, it's to protect when they're, when they're breeding or when they're having young. Uh, same way with a deer. This time of the year, we're having lots of fawns right now. We get calls about that. Um, turkey season is a good thing that uh, we don't allow. You can use a dog at night for coon hunting, but during turkey season, you cannot. And so, yeah, that's the other thing is that there regulations, and your website is great about that, the rules about you know, when you can use dogs and, and you know what caliber of weapon you can use. And so highly recommend that people go to that website, at, uh, and, and I'm sure we'll have that link posted on the on the podcast, but it gives you all that information. But, you know, this is about, um, you know, conservation of the animals too, right? To make sure there are always plenty to for people who, who want to hunt and fish so we don't over hunt and fish. And I think people lose, lose sight of that sometimes, but that's why those seasons are so important. Um, what about, um, now we're talking, let's talk about weapons. I mean, uh, you know, what, what weapons are allowed in hunting? You mentioned the 22 for, you know, for raccoons, but, uh, what, what, what can I can I use a, a bow, for example, to hunt? Yes, sir. There are certain types of uh, a season. The bow season will actually archery season open a little bit earlier. It open October one, and you can you can hunt with a long bow, crossbow, uh, compound bow, and then you can still hunt with that bow the rest of deer season, which is archery, primitive weapon. You got. Uh, firearm season you can still use that archery equipment during that time but during the archery season it's only for archery and you have different seasons for different reasons it's like i said it's uh we doing what we can to manage the resource for the state of mississippi and that's the best way to do it what about uh baits or traps i mean can you use those i know uh you know uh it used to be people would use a lot of traps to to catch animals. Can you do that? You can use lures. Is what what liquid lures, far as trapping, far as coon, uh, possums, 
bobcat during the trapping season. We have a season for the trapping. And but far as putting when you say bait, someone could ask about maybe deer and what we call a supplemental feeding. You can supplemental feed deer in certain areas. We got CWD, so those counties that's on our website, you cannot use any type of bait uh, in those areas. And and you know, so you and, but but traps themselves, can you use can you use those? Yes, for for you can use the traps for as like I said for coon, uh, any kind of any kind of fur bearing animal that that's that you would like to trap during that time. You also use traps for for hogs, and you can use a bait for the hog traps in certain areas. You may have to get a like the CWD areas. You may have to get a permit through us on that, which is no cost. It's just us knowing where it's at and, and looking at the site. And, uh, you know, by the way, those, I, I have to say, I have to, as a, someone who used to hike a lot on the Appalachian Trail and, and other parts of, you know, I love to hike and the, the, I wouldn't worry about bears, hogs were what I was worried about, <laughs> the meanest animals. Um, but what about, uh, what about, you mentioned hunting dogs. Why are they, why do we restrict hunting dogs to certain uh, types of animals? Why, what's the purpose of that? Okay. Like I said, during turkey season, they don't allow it at night. And that's because the turkey's roosting. In other words, it's trying to sleep or it's in a certain area. And if you got people going in with dogs coon hunting that night, they're going to disturb them. They're going to move them. It's more stress, you know, on the animal. That's why during turkey season, they do not allow it. And uh, you got people that use dogs for as running rabbits, uh, squirrel hunting, deer hunting. I mean, it's it's a sport that's been around for a long time, and then there's areas that that uh, don't allow dog hunting on certain management areas and different different things like that. Safety issues is most of it. I think what is so wonderful about our uh, availability of the internet now is that you know if you've got a dog and a bow or you want to hunt alligators or or whatever it is, uh, a lot of that information. Hopefully it's updated, but uh, you can get lots of information from the, the websites and uh, Mississippi's Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Parks does have a pretty fantastic website with a, a lot of information. We have uh, another call. Uh, David's called back from Horn Lake. David, what's your uh, additional comment or question? Yeah, I, got, I would like to let me get my tongue in my mouth and think. I like to ask, you, ask a question about the Arca Butler disabled uh, deer hunt that they used to have they uh do they suspend it during the pandemic and if they if it's open back up and if it's open to out-of-state residents that's a good question i'm gonna have to give you a number to call headquarters and talk to our wildlife uh guys on that because i don't know the answer to that one uh, but it is a good question if you got something to write this down this okay. will take you straight to the wildlife side all right 601 Four three two, two one nine nine. Okay, and I'm sorry I can't answer that, but I, I I don't have any knowledge on it, so I don't want to steer you in the wrong direction. That's okay. I got one more comment. I volunteered years ago when my father before my father-in-law passed away. I had a great time. It was a class action, uh, a class act uh, hunt, 
and I encourage everybody to check into it and to try and volunteer because I had a great time, and I'm, th- I'm going to check into it again. Yes, sir. We appreciate that. Have Thank- a good day. Thanks, Colin and David. And the more I'm listening to this show on laws and regulation, it makes me just realize how humongous the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Parks is to have, uh, you know, not only uh, volunteers, but also the, the you know, the animal management areas and uh, there are there's so much information. We love having folks from DWFP on our Thursday 9 a.m. broadcast for for creature comforts. And if you are interested in learning about some of the animals that are around our state, they also touch into hunting them. But uh, we also often have a lot of uh, biologists who work with DWFP talk about the the different animals that uh, are in our state that we do use for, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, some of it is uh, population uh, reduction, which, which uh, and uh, then others are, you know, the, the, the sport. And I, I would guess, Major Clark, from what you're saying, you know, I, I assume it would be easier to shoot an animal with a gun than with a bow and arrow. So you give the bow and arrow people the first uh, shot uh, at it. Is that why the the seasons are staggered that way? Yes, ma'am. That's that's originally how it was, uh, and and it's given another opportunity where there's not as many people in the woods. They get a better opportunity, you know. They get in the first part of that hunt, and the and the animals not as as spooked. Uh, and given, if you want to hunt in Mississippi, and just like you said before, there's a season for something that you want to do. You just got to look at it and see what what fits your niche that that you want to do. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show from the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Don't forget at 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays, following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. So I like to take a walk around the MPB's building, which is next door to DWFP. So I have been asked quite a few times where to go to get a boat registered. Uh, the easiest place to go to uh, look up that all that information is this fantastic website, MDWFT. Dot com. Just look up there. You'll find a lot of information about what season it is, uh, where you can hunt and fish, and how to get your boat registered. We're talking with Major Chris Clark from the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks about Mississippi's hunting and fishing laws. And Major Clark, we do want to get to, to fishing as well, but, but well, first of all, quick, you mentioned the hunter education course is that required, and how does someone um, take that class? Yes, anyone born after January the 1st of 1972 is required 
to take the hunter education course before going and hunting or before they can get a license. And if you're born before that, you're grandfathered in. However, if you go out of state, and there's several other states that go further back. So we have people that come in all the time that's going out of state that, that needs a class. So we offer it. You can go online and register for a class. In, in each county, we offer classes. It usually starts uh, probably end of August, 1st of September. We'll start having classes here and there, and we'll space them out and go through February. And it gives them opportunity to come to an in-person class, but they also can take a class online if, if that's what they choose. Okay, that's great. So you make it easy for people to do it, uh, just like the license. Uh, you know, is really easy to get. Um, now let's talk about um, let's talk about fishing. You know, since in, in the little bit of time we have left, um, are there legal and illegal methods for catching fish? Yes. Uh, Probably the main illegal way to catch fish would be what you, we still have problems with it is telephoning or, or electro fishing, whichever one you'd like to call it. Uh, most time that's catfish, stuff like that. And far as legal ways to fish, you know, it's like everybody with a fishing pole and a spinning reel and in a boat and, and having a good time. And that's pretty much, you know, what most people are doing anyway, you have very small percentage that's doing it the wrong way. Ah, <laughs> Abram, uh, the, the board operator, Abram Nanny, and I just kind of made a face when we heard about that. I want to be able to get to fish, but we also have a couple of callers that we'd like to uh, at, invite to the program. So let's go to Bahalia and speak with Caroline. Caroline, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. What's your comment or question? Good morning. I have a question about property lines. Where do I get information so I know I'm on the correct property? Do I go to the county? And who would you hire to um, figure that um, that out? I mean, like, what kind of person would you seek for advice? Well, the important thing I think you should do is yeah, check your deed um, for your property. Uh, you may have to hire a surveyor. Uh, just to make sure, you know, where the property lines are. And then typically you can get them marked off. And I think that's the best way is to have some kind of marker. And, and, uh, Major Clark was talking about that as well. I mean, ideally, you know, a fence or something like that, but you can certainly put markers down. Um, and, you know, surveyors, that's what surveyors do is they make sure they know where the, the, you know, property lines are. Typically when you have a deed done, it's either are the properties already either, either been surveyed or, um, you're going to have to have it surveyed to, to close on the property. So that's what I would recommend is maybe you have to hire a surveyor. Let's go quickly to uh, Luce Dale and James has called in. James, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. We're talking hinting, hunting and fishing laws with Major Chris Clark. Uh, okay, I have a, a question. I've been uh, hunting and fishing all my my life. I actually have property adjacent to a, a management area, but uh, there used to be sign-in stations to sign in, and now you're required to sign in electronically. And uh, a lot of us seniors, I'm 83 and uh, still active, but uh, I don't have a, a smartphone and have no uh, means or, or, or way, and a lot of people are in the same situation. 
of, uh, of signing in electronically, and uh, which means that I can't legally go into a, a management area. I'm talking fishing mainly. Uh, uh, can you address that issue? Is there any way that, that us sack untavy people, savvy people, can uh, can be able to sign in legally? without using our smartphone, which we don't own. Thanks, James. We're glad you called in about that. Ooh, and I have really bad cell service. Sometimes I don't have service places. Chris, what do you suggest for people to do about that? Right, that's a good question. They have went to the electronic, but there is supposed to be on each managed mirror one location that, that still offers that card to fill out. Now, the one you're talking about, I don't know the location or, or any of that, but I would suggest for you to call the wildlife side of our agency, which is the 601-432-2199, and they would be able to tell you where that's located on that on that management area that you're talking about. But they're supposed to have at least still one location you can still fill it out on paper. So uh, let's let's get back to fishing really quick. We talked about some scary ways to illegally fish, but uh, what's a game fish? Well, most of that's going to be what everybody's going after, a, a, a brim, bass, crappie, white perch, whichever one you want. That's going to be the main game fish that everybody's after for us, inland stuff. Uh, that's always very high on the list. And so, I mean, you know, with uh, hunting, you kind of know what you're hunting for. You could see it with fishing. You know, you put your line in and something something bites it. Well, so what if I catch a fish that's not allowed? Uh, what do I do in that case? Well, most of the time, anywhere you're fishing, you're going, it's going to be signage that says if something's, you know, a creel limit, that's how many you post to catch or, or something that's not allowed. Say, for instance, you go on the reservoir and you're fishing. Uh Anything you catch within that's native Mississippi, it's going to be okay during that time unless it's you got certain restrictions on paddle fish, stuff like that. Uh, if you're going after a, a certain target fish, that's going to be – you're going to know when you get something that you're not supposed to have, if that, if that makes any sense to you. Yeah, yeah. And so then you just put it back, right? That's, that's right. You just release it and you're okay. Well, that's half the fun anyway, is uh, is just exhibiting your skill in catching it. Now, it won't, won't feed your supper, but <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the releasing it, but then you'd have to touch it. So I don't know about that. <laughs> so. Now let's, I, I just thought maybe I know we don't have much time with this, but where where can I fish in Mississippi? I mean, what uh, you know, I, can I, obviously you got to be careful you're not on somebody's private property. Um, but, as long as uh, it's not private property, you don't you know having permission. You uh, we got numerous state lakes that you can fish, which it, it's a fee to come in to fish, and then you got all the reservoirs that's around. Any any public water or water that's considered public water, you can fish it. Uh, now, there's some creeks and stuff that's public water that the the land around it is not public, and you'd have to be in the water in a boat to fish it. Well, that, 
that makes sense. If you're in a boat, then you need to make sure that boat is is uh, registered as well with your department. Is that right? Correct. If you put a any type of of motor on a a boat, it's got to be registered. If it's a, a canoe or something that you're just sculling or paddling, you don't have to have that registered. But if you put a motor on it, you would have to. Well, I am just crazy about our Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. I'm so proud of them. Everyone I've met from the department is just fantastic. And at MPB, they're our neighbors, and we work with them a lot. And uh, uh, Major Chris Clark, you just are tippy-top on that list. Thank you so much for giving your time today to be on our show. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. That's going to wrap us up for In Legal Terms. Our team consists of board engineer Abram Nanny, who is also our podcast producer. And thanks, Jermaine Flood, for being our phone screener. So for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.